Welcome to Conversations on Faith and Family, a faith-based podcast for parents and marriages looking how to manage and balance life with greater ease and fulfillment. Here are your hosts, Manuel and Raylene. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode here. I'm here with my wife, Raylene. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning. It's a uh, beautiful 80-degree weather out here in Southern California. Um, again, um, I think we're in springtime. Last week it was raining. This week it's nice and sunny. You so never know. You just never know, really. We'll so. have a blizzard next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't surprise me. That's just how unpredictable the weather's been. Um, but like I said uh, last week, we are just really, really excited, um, especially about this episode. Um, you know, uh, I've been really anxious and really excited about this uh, particular guest that we're going to have on, um, just because I think this is a topic that the church in general uh, seems to kind of skip around a lot. Um, I think sometimes it could even be a bad word in the church. Um, I think it's something that our discipleship is missing in today's world, but I think needs to be on the forefront of topics, the forefront of really being able to mold, especially if you deal with youth. Uh, with young adults, this needs to be a topic that is definitely on the on the forefront. So um, we have a guest on with us who uh, really has a book that she just released. All right, and it's called "Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot." And uh, we are really, really happy to have uh, Mo on the podcast. All right, Mo Isom, how's it going? It is going great. I'm not. I'm not getting that Orange County weather here, um, but I'll just be jealous from afar. I'm in Atlanta, and it's gloomy. But here. And again, we'll we'll shed some light through here, and hopefully, you can feel a little warmer. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. So, um, I, I, man, it's fascinating the background you've come from. You're you were an All American soccer player. Yes. Man, yeah. that's awesome. You know, I, I actually played sports in my day. Right now, my back wouldn't be able to, I, I can barely catch up with my little kids. <laughs> but that that is great. I'm a huge sports fan, so I'm a big fan of yours. Um, so I know you released uh, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. Um, maybe yeah. you could just expound on, um, you know, what made you write this book? Yeah, great question. Um, so... I wrote my first book um, was called Wreck My Life, mm-hmm. and it really moved through um, my testimony of coming to faith. So I say that because you mentioned the soccer. It moves through, um, you know, sort of my my young life and then um, my athletics and then identity issues that I struggled in and then the suicide of my father and then a really horrific car accident I was in Um all the while that I was playing, you know, division one college soccer at LSU and, um, was an all American. And so it was just this life that looks so great and amazing on the surface in this, um, deep struggle I was wrestling with this adversity and brokenness I was wrestling with in the darkness. Um, but it was in that car accident that Christ really revealed himself to me in an incredible way. And, um, picked up my cross and carried it from that point forward. So I, I wrote wreck my life, um, sort of, Mm -hmm accounting my testimony of coming to faith, but I knew when I was writing it that I couldn't sell short my sexual testimony in it. I didn't just want to wedge it into that book because I really felt like it was a topic that 
we needed to talk about. I mean, my sexual testimony was just um, a mess and then so beautifully redeemed in that very same moment that Christ intersected my life and, you know, opened up my eyes to who he was and the power of the gospel and um, what he had to say about my brokenness. Yeah. It it also yeah. completely transformed my view of, of sex, of sexuality, of my decisions, of what I had been doing, of what he really called of me. And, um, I knew, I knew that testimony needed legs of its own because God has so much to say about sex and we have so missed the mark for so long in discussing, um, the beauty, the power, the act of worship that it is in celebrating sex in the right context for what God designed it for, but also in properly addressing the brokenness and the deviance and the sin and it's just become so taboo, but because it's, <laughs> yeah. it, because it's taboo, we stay silent about it. And you have people wrestling with yeah. really, really yeah. broken things. And so I just, I'm a little feisty and I was kind of sick of, of the world staying quiet about it. Not the world. The world will actually tell you everything, everything you want to hear. Everything you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> but the church is where we should really seek truth and guidance, um, staying silent about it. I kind of, kind of a little too feisty for that. I was right. like, we got we got to open up the conversation here. Right. And, you know, in your opinion, why does the church have an issue with discussing the topic of sex? Why do you think that it's hard for the church to discuss this? I think really the the world has stolen sex. Um, the world has stolen the sanctity of what sex is. And it has twisted it. It's cheapened it. It's perverted it. And it's it is so dominated the sexual conversation and really in so many ways bullied the church out of even having a word in edgewise. I mean, Lord, you can't even turn on the TV without a hamburger commercial being like overly <laughs> right. now. The, the world has just, the insatiable lust of the lost has so dominated this sexual conversation that I feel like in many ways the church has been suffocated out of the conversation a bit. And so when they do try to sort of insert truth or, you know, get a word in edgewise, it becomes this quick, you know, these are the do's and don'ts and this is sin and this is not. And it becomes this incomplete presentation of it. But I think that's one area the church struggles. And another is that so many of us within the church are struggling in sexual sin. And so we're quiet about it. We don't want to talk about it because we're actually wrestling with it in, in the, in the darkness. And so I think it's sort of a combination of things that have kind of muted the church. Um, the enemies won one over on us and keeping us shamed into silence because of our own struggles. And the world has kind of bullied us out of the conversation in relevance. And, um, we're, we've, We've missed doing our job and rising up and reclaiming sex for the glory of God. You know, uh, it always reminds me because I think the misconception about even just the the topic of sex is that, well, only single people deal with the the sexual temptation. And uh, I actually, um, in reading your book, you had mentioned a quote. You said, it's the enemy, you know, when you're when you're single, the enemy tries to get you to fall into sex and the sin of sex. But yeah. when you're married, he tries to get you out of that. You know, it's almost how it's it's interesting how the enemy works uh, to really be able to really use this type of sin to 
to destroy our calling, to destroy the will of God in our life. And, um, you know, I know that uh, there, you know, how are sexual sin and self-worth? You know, how are those, would you say those are connected? Yeah, it's um, so good that the passage in the book, um, because I actually, my sister-in-law told me that quote. She said, prior to marriage, the enemy will do everything he can to drive you together. And after marriage, the enemy will do everything he can to drive you apart. So good. Oh, man. It just just echoes the truth that sex is so much more than just this physical act. There is... God designed sex and he designed us as sexual beings. And it was a gift from God in the right context. It is this gift of unification of, of power. It's a weapon against the enemy within marriage. It is this incredible identity woven gift that he gives us. I mean, the first conversation God has with man in scripture, he talks about sex And he's saying, you know, here, you are mine. I have formed you now. Be fruitful. Go forth and multiply. And what he's saying in that one quick line, he's marrying together our inherent value and our sexual instruction. He's saying, you are not just here. You are his. You are mine. I've designed you. I've purposed you. I have plans for you. I desire to use you. Be, you know, fruitful. And then it's saying, and also multiply, like take this gift that I've given you you know, wield this weapon in the right context, come into my guidance and my direction. And um, it always was meant to be this beautiful marrying of the incredible worth he's given us as image bearing creations of God and the incredible gift he's given us for unification. But when we, when we sell that short, when we miss it, when we worship the gift instead of the gift giver, when we, you know, Mm -hmm. twist this, beautiful thing he's given us, I find that the very first thing it does is it unhinges us of our self-worth and our value because they were always married together from the start. But when we separate the two and we think, oh, I'm going to choose for myself what's best for me. This is a urge I have. This is a want I have. You know, I don't know about this design of waiting till marriage of whatever it may be. It's, It's amazing. Across the board, you find that it begins to just ripple with issues of not knowing our worth, not knowing our value, not knowing what God says about us. We, we use sex as a tool. We use it as a weapon against one another. We use it, you know, for affirmation, for all these things that God already had to say about us. We, um, don't realize, we don't realize it. Yeah. One thing that, uh, I think again, the enemy uses as deception is that only single people deal with you know, these sexual encounters right. and a married couple, once you're married, it's, it's over. It's yeah, it's all good. <laughs> There's no temptation. They all just disappear, yeah. which I think is great that your book tackles that. It talks about the sex expectations and, you know, I, I just quickly, how would you say that those can be like, even just that mindset in general can be dangerous in a marriage? Yeah, it's so true. Sex Sex and marriage is, it's so funny. I stood at the altar too. I write about this in the book. I stood at the altar and thought, finally, I'm saying I do. This is kind of the <laughs> end of my sexual testimony, but it's just not the truth. Mm-hmm. Sex is, in marriage is where it comes into the fullness of what God intended it to be. And so therefore the enemy will attack it all the more heavily, yeah. all the more relentlessly. The enemy will suddenly try to divide us in marriage and what happens is, 
is if we have unresolved, unrepentant sin from singleness, we carry in that baggage into marriage and suddenly that affects that union. You know, if we have, I call them false expectations of, you know, what sex is going to be like in marriage or the purpose of it in marriage, if we haven't really, you know, educated our hearts and been, you know, had revelation to our hearts from God of, of what sex truly is and the power of it, we bring these false expectations into marriage. And, you know, we think that it's, it's, it's meant as just something, just a pleasurable thing for us. We think it's, you know, meant whenever we want it, however we want it, that our spouse is just there for that. I mean, the laundry list of things that it becomes and morphs into in marriage, it becomes this tool we actually wield against one another and withhold from one another. And it can become such a, divisive thing in marriage if healing has not pulsed through our sexual understanding. And, um, it's, I I feel like the enemy just loves it. I feel like he loves this beautiful gift that God's given us. If he can twist it and warp it, then within marriage, we can't exercise it fully. And a lot of marriages suffer and many end because of sexually rooted issues. And, um, it's, it's hard because that's where I feel like the attack comes. We think singleness is hard. It's like getting to marriage, and, <laughs> you know, have unresolved sexual stuff. And it, yeah. it, it'll, yeah. it's like a sword we don't know how to wield. And we hurt ourselves along the way. And so, um, yeah, it doesn't stop at the altar. It begins really in so many ways there. Right. And um, right. it, can, it can be something through our, through our whole marriage it, that can grow, that can foster unification and beauty and um power, so much power as God always intended it to, but we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it and learn how and why. Right. Right. And you know, what are some encouraging words or maybe a piece of advice that you would give to someone who is dealing with sexual addiction? You know, what is it that they need to hear the most? And uh, I'm going to be completely honest. We've dealt with youth before. Um, I think the majority of our life we've run a youth group. We've been involved in young adults and I'm telling you this topic of sex and the uh, the the sin, the sexual temptation that's out there is stronger than ever. Yeah, it's huge. And I yeah. think a topic like this is is powerful. Um, and like my wife said, you know, for that struggling uh, youth, that's struggling even in a marriage, you know, what kind of advice would you give them? That's yeah. The first thing I would say um, would be be still and know that He is God. Yeah. Psalms 4610, we've got to stop and come up for air. We are so in the throes and so enslaved to so many of these sexual struggles. And so the first thing we've really got to do is just stop, just be still and then understand wherever you are, whether you are the teen struggling with porn, which was so me, and I'll say that as a woman, because there are so many women struggling with these things and it's not something that's addressed. Whether it's the teen struggling with porn, whether it's the young person you know, struggling with sexual sin with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whoever, it's the one night stands, it's the, you know, the way we're seeking love, whether it's the engaged couple, the married couple struggling with sex, I would say to them, you are fiercely loved by a king who desires healing and wholeness for your life. And look, look at the scripture. Don't listen to the lies in your head that 
this is too shameful. This is too much. This is too far gone. God must be so mad at me. So this is just the in his grace can't extend here. No, look in the scripture where we see God use Rahab, the prostitute in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Look where we see God encounter the woman at the well, the whore by all means, the one that had had five husbands and was in sexual sin with a man who wasn't even her husband, where he sits by her well and he stays and he offers her living water that she wouldn't have to thirst anymore, that she wouldn't have to keep trying and striving and giving pieces of herself away to feel whole. No, that he was there, that he would stay with her, that he was the one that had come to save. Look at the Jesus who meets the adulteress to be stoned and doesn't have a stone to cast her way and says, go now and sin no more. Look at how through the word of God, God responds to sexual sin and, and, in the face of his amazing grace and his incredible mercy and his desire to heal these, these enslavements and these broken things in us, respond, respond, be still, drink it in and then respond. And in response to his great love, would our, you know, would our lives look different? Would we turn from this sin? Would we flee from the relationship that we know is not good for us sexually? You know, would we, would we, seek forgiveness from our spouse? Would we ask for forgiveness for the ways that that we've hurt them in this way? Would we open up the conversations? Would we embrace this grace that he extends to the sexually broken? And would we understand that God's not finished with us yet? It's not too far gone. He wants to redeem it. And so, um, I would say go get a copy of Sex, Jesus, and the Conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? It's, it's amazing that you um, that you're so transparent and honest, and I appreciate that. Yes. Um, I, I've never been one to shy away. I, I've, and I'm, I'm sure majority of people, um, I don't know if they would admit it, but I know I struggled with pornography. I was exposed uh, to it, I think at a young age, I want to say eight or nine years old. So it's been a struggle even my entire life. My wife knows of my struggle. And, you know, it was Jesus who literally transformed your 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 mind, your heart, just the way you even see things. And, you know, I'm just so blessed that you came on to share your heart and be transparent with us. Uh, we know that you have wreck my, wreck my life, journeying, journeying from broken to bold. And then you also have your newest book, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. Now, where can we pick up this book? I, I'm convinced I want to know more. Where, where can I get this? Yeah, you can grab it anywhere books are sold. Um, Amazon is so easy. You can get it in your door in two days. Um, <laughs> Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Lifeway. Um, it is it is out there and circulating. And there's the paperback versions. And then there's Audible version and um, Kindle. I mean, whatever you fancy, you can find it. <laughs> See, I'm an Audible person. So I, I love using Audible. But I actually picked up... Uh, your book a few weeks ago and it's fantastic. I yeah. would encourage you, um, even if you're not uh, dealing with the uh, uh, that addiction, um, it's still some of the nuggets of wisdom in there are just really beyond my thought. And yeah. um, I, I know 
God directly drop those in your spirit, Mo. And and um, I know that this is just the start of where God is going to take you. I'm really excited to see where where the Lord takes you. I really believe it's going to be worldwide. You're just going to um, not just uh, our generation, but you're going to impact generations to come. So I I really appreciate that, especially with a daughter who's two and a half years old. Uh, to know that we can still lay a foundation today is yeah. for me a little more peaceful, <laughs> especially in this world the way it is. Yes, thank you so much. That means more to me than you know. I, I hope, I hope this resource um, helps. So it speaks healing and hope yeah. to so yeah. many people, and then also equips them, equips them with the the theological understanding and also just the compassion to have these conversations and to understand. There's beauty in it and there's power in it. So thank you so much. That means so much to me. No problem. All right. Well, it's nice to have Mo on. All right, Mo, we will uh, talk to you later on. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. <laughs> See ya. Bye. All right. And um, again, I just hope that you're blessed today. I know that we just had a fantastic thing. You know, uh, sweetie, I, I I know that, you know, we, we really the, the topic at hand is sex and, you know, um, having Mo share those truths about, um, you know, a topic that, again, I think the church forgets. Yeah. And, you know, even I think what's great is that she still tackles the uh, the topic of sex in marriage mm-hmm. and that conversation. And I know it's something that we constantly are talking about as well. Um, you know, making sure, you know, one thing we always try to apply is glorify God right. in everything we do in, our, in raising our kids, in you know, in the bedroom, um, even in our conversations, how are we going to glorify God? And uh, I really hope that you were blessed by this. And um, again, we hope to have uh, Mo Isom here in the future. Um, But go pick up her book um, on Amazon. You got your two-day shipping there. Again, the book is called Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. All right, guys. God bless you. Hope you were blessed. And we will see you uh, next week. Yeah. Bye, guys. Thank you for joining us for this episode on Conversations on Faith and Family. Send your comments, questions, and suggestions to our website at conversationsonfaithandfamily.com. As always, subscriptions to our shows are free and available wherever you find podcasts, as well as on our website. Until next week, join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube for more conversations on our community. 